Welcome to Banking on KC. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. With us on this episode is Tom Patrizzo, the CEO of Tri-County Mental Health Services, which is a nationally recognized behavioral health services organization that serves Clay, Platte, and Ray counties in the Kansas City area. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks for having me. So Tri-County Mental Health Services, it's been a safety net in the Kansas City area, in the Northland in particular, for more than 30 years. What are some of those services and who do you serve? Yeah, so as a safety net, we're primarily serving people that may not have insurance. They're qualifying for Medicaid or Medicare, perhaps. And then we do serve some people that have insurance, but that's not our core. We're really there for folks that are lacking significant or sufficient insurance to go seek out mental health services. We are not a hospital. Some people think that, like that we have beds available. Mm -hmm. We don't have beds available. It's like going to your doctor's office. If you have a primary care doctor, it'd be very similar in coming to Tri-County. You're going to see a clinician who will do an initial assessment. We do that every day. In fact, we have walk-in assessment where you can just walk in from 8.30 to a.m. to 1 p.m. every day. And then we have doctors on staff, nurses, therapists, counselors, and what we call case managers. They're people that go out in the community and help our clients provide support and linkages to other services. So some of the core services that we have that are very common are we have medication services with our doctors and nurses. So if you need medication, like for depression or anxiety, we have psychiatrists and nurses that can prescribe that medication as needed. Then we have therapists who are doing ongoing counseling, whether it's individual, with families, groups. We have that available. And then we also have crisis services. So we're available 24 hours a day through the crisis line to answer calls for people in the the Northland who need help with mental health challenge of some kind. Yeah. An organization like yours, undoubtedly, you rely on others. You probably have a network, I assume, that helps you to effectively deliver your services. So can you talk to us about how you work with some of your community partners? So we do partner with the hospitals in our area. We help see people that might be coming into the emergency room and have a behavioral health challenge and try to divert them into tri-county services if that if they're eligible and appropriate for that versus them going inpatient like you'd want to divert that hospital if you can so that's one and then we're also in very close partnership with law enforcement in the northland so we have over 30 law enforcement agencies that are part of a coalition called tricit which is tri cit and cit is crisis intervention training It's a national model for law enforcement. A CIT-trained officer is trained to intervene with folks who might be struggling with a mental health or substance use challenge. And lots of research behind if they have that CIT training, much less likely to do hands-on physical interaction, people get injured, even including the officer. So the more officers you can get CIT trained, the better for the officer and the community. And so we have partnerships with them. We have four mental health trained clinicians who were on the call to go out with law enforcement. So law enforcement can call one of them and say, hey, I'm out at, you know, Vivian Road and we're talking to somebody who looks like they're they're struggling with a mental health problem. 
can you come and help us intervene? And we'll, we'll do that. We do have um, a whole cadre of clinicians that we call school-based clinicians. So they're actually, they, their job location is the schools, anything from elementary up to high school in the Northland. And there's oh over 35 of them now. Um, and that includes folks that are trained in what we call expressive arts. So they're using uh, an art clinical intervention like music or art or creative writing to help a child with a behavioral health problem of some kind. Talk to us about the personal and the economic impact of unmet mental health needs in the United States. For example, if you didn't exist, if your organization didn't exist, there would be that many more unmet needs. So, yeah, so what so, is the economic and yeah, personal toll of that? It's a huge, I, I forget the last time I saw the estimate of the adverse economic impact of unmet mental health and substance use challenges. It was in the billions of dollars, as you can imagine. I can't remember the exact, it was hundreds of billions of dollars. If we didn't exist specifically to your question, then what what would the result would be would be more hospitalizations unnecessarily obviously and people going into jails because offenders would not have a somebody available to help intervene with law enforcement like we have so law enforcement wouldn't have a whole lot of options and would say well we're just going to take this person to jail even though the offense may be a very low level offense that's really not hurting anyone so the unmet need there would without the proper resources and support for an organization like Tri-County, you'd have more people going into hospitals, more people going into jails, and then more people, uh, I hate to say it, um, hurting themselves. Yes. You know, suicide would be a bigger issue. Right. And that, and there's a huge ripple effect of that uh, throughout, you know, families and communities when suicides or overdoses as well occur. Yes, absolutely. And then you also think about even people who may be in the uh, if they're not getting the help that they need, impact on productivity and the absenteeism and the list probably goes on uh, when you think about the economic toll. Yes. yes. Yeah. So there, you know, there's a concept called presenteeism, which means people are present at their job, but they're really not fully engaged or engaged well enough. And some of that is attributable to unmet or unhelped, you know, the person's not getting help for a depression or perhaps anxiety or just stress in general that makes itself known as some kind of mental health problem. So how can employers help promote good mental health uh, in the workplace? Yeah, there's, there's quite a number of things that employers can do to help their employees on the mental health side. So so one of the first is just to have a good EAP and employee assistance program available to your staff and make sure they know about it and you promote it regularly, like maybe monthly emails, have the EAP people come on site, talk about what's available. And usually through an EAP, the, the employees would have immediate access to a counselor, somebody to talk about what they're experiencing at that moment, just like if you needed to go see a doctor immediately. Some employers have made that available on demand. Well, that's the way an EAP is. Second thing is you can have um, events on your at your work site that are around mental wellness, you know, like either educational events, even have a support group. I know there's some employers that just have a time built in during lunch for staff to go talk to somebody, not as a full-blown therapy session, but just support. Like, right. hey, I'm experiencing stress because of this, or 
you know, I have teenagers at home and here's some of the challenges. There could be a whole myriad of examples. Yeah, because yeah. the issues that you're talking about, they are wide ranging. Yes. They, they may be something that causes some anxiety and stress that wouldn't rise to the same level as somebody who's contemplating suicide, as you mentioned Correct. earlier. So you, there's a, a big wide range. Correct. Yeah. So yes. sometimes I talk about the difference between feeling stress that just bothers you during the day, maybe not mm-hmm. keeps you as productive versus having a true mental health diagnosis that yeah. is really impairing your functioning, like you're not getting to work or you're not going to school or when you're there, you're not doing anything, you're getting in trouble maybe. Um, there's a difference there. So some employers have put in place these just ongoing support items, like I said, like support groups, making EAPs available, um, even having like mental health days or parts of days where staff can take off part of the day to really just do something that they enjoy. And um, maybe it's a kind of a stress buster where they have some time for themselves. And then I've also heard of some employers having volunteer days where their employees go out and volunteer at a local nonprofit or charity. And there's lots of research that shows being engaged in your community, being active and helping others is really a protective factor against stress and worry and depression and anxiety. I've read about that too. What is the science behind that? Well, some of that is there's some science now that's showing you actually get a dopamine hit mm. from helping others or being engaged in a helpful activity, just like you would when you listen to a, your favorite music or something of that sort, or you get a runner's high. There's a similar effect that they found now by going and doing you know, volunteering activity or just helping others. And that, that if you do that regularly, that effect on your physical well-being and your mental well-being just grows. It's a positive effect. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I would venture to guess, too, that by having these kinds of events within the workplace that you just described, it creates an awareness within the workplace about mental health. And it also probably, because it's being talked about, it takes away some of the stigma. You know, sometimes employees might be nervous or have concerns about expressing that there's something bothering them. But when you provide an environment in which it's safe to go see someone or that you have an EAP program, that that reduces that kind of a concern, I would think. Yeah, it does. It it, What we call normalizes the behavior. So it's okay to go to the support group and just talk with your colleagues about what are your current stressors. Sure. And again, as we were saying earlier, that doesn't mean you you have a mental illness. No. That just means you're engaging with others around a common stress topic, Mm -hmm. which is really productive and helpful, supportive in a way. What do you think is the biggest misperception about mental health? I think mainly that there's still a perception that maybe it's not a real illness, like mental illness is not really a true illness that it's more of a character issue or a choice. That's particularly true around substance use, that it's a choice or a character deficiency of the person versus truly a biological illness. But we really know from research in the last 30 to 40 years that there's a lot of connections between a person's personal biology and a predisposition toward depression or anxiety or some other mental health problem. And we know more about the brain now as well, that there's predispositions in certain brain chemistry towards schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, you know, even some of those serious mental illnesses. We can now 
make correlations about that being more of a biological component. Now, that's not to say there's not a an external or a um, environmental component, right? Because you know, if you're in, if you're raised in a stressful environment or you experience trauma or violence or see violence, that's going to have an effect as well as the biological. Um, so those two things go together now. You have a conference coming up in May, and May is Mental Health Awareness Month that's going to be attracting people from several states. You have some nationally known speakers coming in. Tell us about that conference and how it creates awareness about mental health. Yeah, so we started this conference about eight years ago as part of May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And when I say we, it's not just Tri-County. There's a group of eight mental health centers that serve the Kansas City metro area, three on the Kansas side, five on the Missouri side, that have gotten together to put on this conference. That group is called Metro Council, by the way, that's serving Kansas City. What we've done is every year we hold this conference and our host is Oracle Cerner, and it's at their Innovation Center down off Bannister. This year it's May 11th, Thursday, May 11th, and Friday, May 12th. Part of it is to educate and build awareness about good mental wellness um, because that is May is Mental Health Awareness Month. It's a national campaign. Normally, we have five to 600 people that attend. Many of them are from the behavioral health community in Kansas City that are going and they can get continuing education credits. But there's also a whole variety of other people there. There's business people there. There's people from HR and wellness work departments that attend. There's folks from the Chamber of Commerce, because it it is a wide range of presentations and materials. Sure. And all to promote awareness and to uh, probably best practices, like for the HR professionals who attend. Uh, You were just talking about what are some of the things that you can do in the workplace. It's a chance for them to learn about those kinds of best practices. Yes. So, as I said, the clinically focused presentations for clinically trained people like therapists, counselors, But then there's also some just about general wellness that are more appealing to like the, you know, wellness HR people in your workplace. Here, our keynote speaker is Dr. Jill Bolt-Taylor, and she's written several books really about brain health. She's a neuroscientist from Harvard, and she had a uh, brother who had schizophrenia and got interested in brain health as a young adult and now has written several books. And she's going to be talking about good brain health and how that could be a positive thing in in your day to day or your or your personal life. Yeah, there's a special website for that event, and I understand that uh, all of the information. If there are business owners listening, or HR professionals, as you mentioned, or just the general public who might want to attend that, the information will be available when on that website. Yeah, so the website would be for the Metro Council. It's called the Metropolitan. Community Council of Behavioral Health Centers. That information for this year's conference should be updated in March. Another very important function that you perform is uh, you're part of the National 988 Crisis Hotline. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's a really good one. So last July, 988 started. They call it a crisis and suicide lifeline. What I tell people, though, is you don't have to be suicidal or your family member or friend be suicidal to call 988. 988 is really there if you're just experiencing a fairly significant mental health challenge, you feel overwhelmed, you're not sure what to do even. Call 988. I mean, it's very simple. It's like calling 911. So 988 is available. And then throughout the nation, there's regional call centers that will answer that 988 
24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then that person will try to assist over the phone. And if they cannot handle it totally over the phone, they may transfer it to a local provider like Tri-County Mental Health or another community mental health provider who will also try to handle it on the phone and or send somebody out to see the person. In addition to the 988 hotline, for people who are in a situation where they feel like they need some assistance, for family members who may have identified others in their family who could benefit from services like yours, what other resources are available? What should they do? Who should they be reaching out to? As I mentioned earlier, we have the eight mental health centers that serve Metro Kansas City, and the list of those is on the Metro Council website. So if you go to that website, there are some resources there for sure. And then if you, that's not like you, you, you're thinking, well, I'm not sure I want to go to, quote, a mental health center, or you have some trepidation about that, certainly you could start with your primary care doctor. I've told people that that might be more palatable or acceptable to a loved one or to help someone. Um, encourage them to go see their primary care doctor and then talk about maybe the symptoms they're having. And then that doctor would make a referral to a mental health specialist. And that's a good route to go because sometimes a doctor can even facilitate that in a, a, a more speedy fashion, hopefully, with a referral. So one other thing that folks can do is really if you're feeling like you need help is to really go get the help. If you're feeling like, hey, I'm feeling overly anxious about something or something's bothering me that's impairing my ability to focus or be productive or be all present with my family and friends, then yeah, go seek that help. And and you know, sometimes it's as simple as starting with a trusted friend who you can confide in and they may have some ideas of resources or clergy if you're part of a church. You could start by talking to a clergy member or maybe a faith leader in the church. They're usually trained to know like, okay, this is beyond my skill set and I'm going to give you some resources that are out there in the community. So that would be another place to start. But the bottom line is resources do exist. Be sure to take advantage of them. If either yourself or if you know someone, help them get the help they need. Yeah, I've heard Dwayne Johnson, you know, The Rock, Mm -hmm. the actor, the big, strong Mm -hmm. actor. He's been promoting like it's really a sign of strength to ask for help and go seek out help. It's not a sign of weakness because he had that in his own personal life. So if, if The Rock can do that, we can all do that. Absolutely. Tom, thank you so much for all that you are doing and for being here today to share these resources with us. Thank you, Kelly. This is Joe Close, president of Country Club Bank. Thank you to Tom Patrizo for being our guest on this episode of Banking on KC. Mental and behavioral health issues can take a devastating personal toll on individuals and their families and friends. They have a large economic and community cost as well. But as Tom points out, as an employer, you can create a workplace that promotes mental health wellness and encourages the use of programs like EAPs for those seeking services. Importantly, If you know someone who needs a professional to talk with or is in crisis, direct them to the resources available in your community. Thanks for tuning in this week. We're banking on you, Kansas City. Country Club Bank. Member FDIC.